welcome to the Grit and Wit podcast, a show for ambitious female business owners that want to grow irresistible brands. If you're running a business and juggling family commitments and often your sanity, well, you're in the right place. I'm Liz from Elevate and I'm your host. I'll be chatting with inspiring guests who are sharing their stories and practical advice to help you navigate the highs and lows of building a business with grit and wit. Hello and welcome to the episode. I'm really pleased you're here. So this episode is a very short, sharp overview of what to do in what order to get your business or your brand launched. Um, I know that lots of you already have successful businesses. Um, so really this is for people that are looking to pivot, to perhaps change career. Perhaps you're already in a, a corporate um, job and you're looking to work for yourself in some way. This is the episode for you. Now it's going to give you an overview of what to do in what order. The reason I wanted to do this episode is because I find I get lots of clients coming to me who have decided to start a business and they have rushed at it and they've decided that they are going to get their logo done because suddenly they want to set up their Instagram account and their Facebook page and they just want to start getting clients in, which is completely understandable, of course. Um, but they rush at getting things like logos produced, websites done. And then they come back to me and it's probably six months after the fact. They've already spent out money on all this stuff. But actually the, bra- the brand or the business is just not performing the way they wanted it to. Um, and they realize that they've got to rewind and kind of go back a bit to get the brand foundations in place, which is the kind of work that I do with my clients um, all the time. So I thought it might be useful rather than waiting until you're further down the line, listen to this first, get an idea of what you need to do in what order um, and start off on the right path. So as I mentioned, we always start with the brand foundations. Now, if you imagine you're building a house and the house, the finished house is your brand or your business. Well, you can't start with the roof or the chimney or the windows. You've got to build it up in stages and so you have to start with the foundations and you want solid concrete deeply dug foundations and you might be able to hear a digger there's a digger outside here today it's quite noisy so I hope it's okay um so how do we create those solid foundations for a business or a brand and what goes into them I'm not going to go into loads of detail here because of the you know it would be a hugely long episode and I want to keep it nice and short and sharp but I want to give you the kind of signposts as to what to do First of all, I'd like you to think about your motivation for setting up the business, what it is you're trying to achieve, what your business needs to give you. So it might be you're looking for more balance. You might be looking to free up some time to be able to be on the school runs. Um, it might just be that you're, you're pivoting in some way. What is it that you're hoping to achieve? What's the ideal outcome for this business for you? might be you want to make loads of money. Any of these things are your motivation. So we need to look at the motivation behind setting up the business in the first place. Then we need to think about where your business is going to sit in relation to other businesses that are already out there. So for instance, if you're setting up as a coach, there are hundreds of different coaches out there. And the ones that are successful typically are the ones that have niched. So they've got quite specific in who they're serving and the problems that they're solving. You have to remember that people are willing to spend money on things that will solve problems and that will create convenience, save them time. People are happy to spend money on things that save time, that save money and just kind of cut to the chase basically. So 
if we can think about what those problems are that your business will solve, then we can start to understand why somebody might want to choose you and do business with you. But that's quite general, isn't it? That's thinking about why they would choose perhaps to work with a coach. Perhaps they're trying to work through something in their personal life and they're struggling um, or they're feeling they need some motivation or something. They know they need a coach, but why are they going to choose you? What makes your business special? And that is your brand. So it's what you're known for. It's what you want to be known for in the big wide world. If somebody was going to be introducing your brand to somebody else, they were talking about you behind your back and, oh, you must go and speak to so-and-so. What is that thing that you want to be known for? That's your brand magic. And that's the bit you've got to try and work out first. The second thing that you need to think about is, like I said, how your brand and business is going to sit in relation to the other businesses out there. So your competitors. So it's really important very early on to do as much research as you can on your competitors and find out exactly who else in the local area is doing something similar and try and get some idea of their price points and how they're marketing themselves then look further afield, look much wider and have a look at people that are doing it really, really well in your field, whatever that is, and work out, try and work out what it is about them that's making them so successful. What is it that people are drawn to? Um, and then you can also look outside of your field at other businesses and start to think about how other businesses are um, achieving success what they're doing and what you could perhaps pull a bit of that into your business or your brand. Now, when you look at your competitors, it's important to understand how you're different. We're not looking at them from a comparison point of view, trying to emulate what they're doing. Not at all. We want your business to be completely unique and that's what's going to make it sell. That's what's going to make it different. Um, And that's what's going to motivate people to want to do business with you because it's different to everything else that's out there. So when you look at the competitors, and I always suggest it's a really good idea to kind of pull together a list of six to eight of different businesses that are doing something similar to you, um, some that are local, some that are sort of further afield and some that are perhaps international have a look at what they're doing and have a look at what you're drawn to about them. You'll probably find some are doing it really well and some are less doing things and some things, some people are doing things less well. Um, and tr- if we can try and understand what it is about them that's better or worse, you're going to start to have an idea of where your business is going to sit in relation to that. And then we can start to look at things like services and packages and pricing and work out whereabouts on that sort of sliding scale in the marketplace your business is going to sit because of course there's going to be an upper limit and there's going to be a lower limit we don't want to go anywhere down the lower end of the scale for our business because if you do that all you're going to be doing is um, being competitive on price and it's a slippery slope it's a downward spiral like you you cannot only be um chosen on the fact that you're the cheapest because there'll always be somebody else that will come in and do it cheaper and it's a horrible horrible place to be to know that you've only been chosen because you're cheap what we want is we want people to want to work with us or businesses other businesses to work want to work with us because we're doing our thing really really well and they're actually wanting to kind of wait and queue up to do business with you so we need to create that desire um 
And like I said, the only way to do that is to make sure you have these very solid foundations. We need to have a really strong understanding of what your brand values are and why they matter. Um, for instance, my business, Elevate, um, I've got a piece of paper here in front of me and I have it stuck to my wall normally and it's my kind of brand values. So it's the thing, it's the threads that run through everything I do. So I'll, I'll list them out for you. I would like to be inspirational, expert, current, reassuring and generous. So those are the things that I feel are very strong values in my business. Inspirational. I want to inspire people. I want you to feel that the sky is the limit and you can really achieve those ambitions that you have. And it's quite possible. I want to inspire people to be creative. I want to inspire action. Expert. Well, I've been doing what I've been doing for a long time and I feel like I know uh, my business inside out. So I definitely have a level of expertise I bring to the table. And of course, I want my business to feel expert and have this expertise about it. Current. I really feel it's very important for my business to be up to date and to feel like it's a finger on the pulse and has a really clear understanding of all the different options, what's out there, and is very current. In, and also in terms of the look and feel of my business, I like things to feel uh, reassuring, but a little bit edgy. So it's not, my business is not very kind of calm and uh, serene and kind of country gardeny at all. It's got a bit of an edge to it. It's a little bit more urban than that. Um, so that's what kind of makes it and keeps it a bit more current reassuring. Now, everything I do is always done with the idea of, if I couldn't do this, how would I want someone to explain it to me? Um, and I try to explain things in a way that is generous, which is another value, where I'm, I'm over-delivering, I'm giving more value, um, but also that is reassuring. So I want people to feel that they can do it. And I like to break things down into sort of step-by-step modules, if you like, so that people can take away the information, digest it. And I really want to sort of inspire you to be able to do this stuff. So that's my business. So we need to think about those words in your business and what's going to be important to you and also what's going to be important to your clients. So once you've worked out your brand values, and I have loads of different exercises that I use for this, we then need to start to think about your vision. So what is the end goal that you would love to achieve? What is it? Do you want to um, work with particular brands? Do you want to work with particular people? Are you trying to make a certain amount of money in your business? Um, are you trying to reduce the number of hours that you work? What's the vision for the business? Where do you want to get to? What does success look like to you? You also need to think about it in terms of how much time you actually have. Now, I often talk about seasons, um, and these are, this is in two respects. So I talk about, well, it's three really. I talk about brand seasons, and that's the season of your brand, and I'm not going to cover that in this podcast. The second way I talk about seasons is to talk about the season that you're in, in your personal life. So if you've just had a baby, you're in a newborn phase. That's the season of your life. You're very busy. Your main, um, priority is to keep that baby alive and to try and get some sleep. And if you've got kids that have gone to school and they're a little bit older, 
um, and you've got a bit more time because you've got your school days, then obviously you're in a different season. Uh, you're not firefighting in quite the same way, although you're probably really busy, as we all are. I have three children, I know all about that. But then there's a different season to the newborn phase. Similarly, if you are a little bit older and your kids are at university, again, a different season. You may not have kids at all, in which case your your season is going to be to do with what you're up to in your personal life, how busy you are. Perhaps you're caring for somebody. Um, perhaps you're working a full-time job at the moment. We have lots of different seasons in our personal life. And we also have different seasons in our business life. So if you're starting out, you're listening to this because you're about to start a new business, you're right at the very beginning, which is a really exciting time. Um, the world is your oyster. So you're in the startup phase. And after that, you're going to then move into um, a sort of more of a growth phase um, and, and so on and so forth. There's lots of different seasons in our business. So three different ways to look at seasons, your personal life, your business life, and your um, brand season. So the next thing to think about is your niche. Now niche or niche as the Americans say is really important. So so many people I see are trying to be all things to all people and you end up being nothing to nobody. (laughs) It's harsh but it's true. Um, To really be successful you have to get quite specific in who your target market is and who you want to do business with and it's at the beginning it feels quite counterintuitive and it feels um, a bit scary really because you think to yourself well if I suggest that I'm only for this type of business or this type of person then I'm going to be discounting all those other different people and they're going to walk away from me because they're going to think I'm not a good fit for them My counter argument to that is that if you try and appeal to everybody, you will not appeal to anybody because you won't be specific enough to be talking directly through your messaging and your marketing to any group of people specifically. So nobody will feel that you're for them. An example I can use or I have, and I've written a blog post about this, is for florists. So if you imagine you're getting married and you're looking for a wedding uh, florist. And suppose you come across two different florists locally, and one of them is showing um, a range of different floral um, sort of options. They Perhaps they do funeral flowers, they do new, new baby products and gifts. Um, they also do weddings, um, and perhaps they kind of have a shop and they sell stuff out the front. Then you come across another business and they are marketing themselves as specifically wedding florists and their website is showing nothing but beautiful uh, wedding flowers and it's very much in a particular style so you get a very strong handle of their creative style sort of up front on their site through their pictures and they're not showing anything to do with you know funerals babies kind of the smaller options perhaps that you would you would go for go to a florist for who are you going to be drawn to so you've got quite a big budget for your flowers because you're getting married and if you're lucky (laughs) maybe not but if you're lucky you're going to be spending some money probably more money on flowers than you've perhaps spent on flowers before so 
who are you going to go to? Are you going to go to the, the florist that sort of does everything? Or are you going to be drawn to the florist that's just doing the wedding flowers? Or who are you going to trust more? If you're wanting wedding flowers, you're going to go to the people that are just doing wedding flowers because you're going to feel that they're the experts. They're doing this day in, day out. They're not doing any of the other bits and pieces. So they're completely focused on weddings. So you're going to feel, if they're doing their job right, you're going to feel that they have the absolute expertise and a really clear handle on what is expected and needed for wedding flowers. It's not to say the other florist couldn't do a great job or wouldn't do a great job. Um, It's just that there's an underlying feeling of they are sort of the jack of all trades. They're doing everything for everybody. So you're going to feel as a bride that perhaps your wedding isn't going to get the attention that it deserves because you know they're going to be busy with doing all the the other things, the day-to-day running stuff. So I think that initially you're going to be drawn to the wedding florist, the specific one. And I'd like you to think about that in terms of your business. So whatever you're doing, whether you're a coach, um, whether you're a florist, whatever it is, perhaps you're a designer of some sort, think about who you want to do business with. And then you need to think about who specifically you want to do business with. And you almost need to think about the exact person that you want to do business with. And you want to start to write down some of the characteristics of that person so you can start to build a picture of who that person is so that then every time that you're putting anything out anywhere on your website, social media, anywhere, you're thinking about that person and you're thinking, is this right for them? And by doing that, that is you creating what we call your ideal client um, or your muse or your avatar. It's called all these different things. It means the same thing. It's the person that you want to do business with specifically. And by doing that, you're going to get a really strong handle on what your niche is. So for instance, if you are a coach and you decide that the lady you want to do business with is she's perhaps going through a change of some sort. Maybe she's uh, leaving her corporate job and she wants to pivot and retrain, but she's a bit nervous and she's got the golden handcuffs on. You know, you understand your target market. You understand what her, her issues are and her problems. You can then start to create a business and a brand that talks directly to her and talks directly to the problem that she's facing that you're going to help her solve. That is your niche and that is you identifying the problem that somebody's going to pay to have fixed or to help get fixed. So those are the sort of nuts and bolts of the very, very basic bits of your brand foundations. Now, from there, you need to then start thinking about your brand story. So your backstory, what got you to the place you're in now? What do your clients need to know from you or know about you to be able to trust you, to be able to want to do business with you? and also what you want to be known for, you can then start to craft things like a mission statement or your Uber pitch, otherwise known as an elevator pitch. Um, it's really this, the brand foundation bit is all the thinking. So it's really you kind of working out what you're setting out to do, what your end goal is, what the big vision is, who you want to work with, how you're going to get to that that place and then it's working backwards from there. 
After you've done the brand foundation work, and there's more to it, for instance, things like the brand season work, um, looking at your value ladder, uh, the blocks that you might face, identifying your problem solution outcome, all of these things, this is all part of the foundation work. But once you've done that work, then you can start to think about how that business needs to be communicating with your target audience. And this is the bit that is the bit that comes afterwards. And it's the bit that often people skip ahead to and they do first. And then they come unstuck because they've got this logo, but they don't really know what their brand stands for or what they're trying to say with it or who they're trying to reach. Anyway, you're not going to do that. You're going to do the foundations first. Once you've done that, you can then start to do some research on your domain names. And you're going to think about your brand name, your business name. And you're going to think about it from the perspective of that person that you've identified that you really want to work with. What would appeal to them? What feels right to you? What is going to be giving off the right signals and the right message? And what will be searchable? From there, you're going to find you're going to make a big long list, you're going to brainstorm, you're going to ask everybody you know, and you're going to come up with a couple of names. Then you need to start doing some due diligence, you need to get on Google, and you need to start looking to see whether the domain names are free, and having a look to see if anybody else has got anything similar, in a similar field, um, and if it's going to be a problem or not. I often use uh, 123reg.com, I think it is. Um, Just Google 123reg, and they have a, a sort of, it's a, it's a domain provider. You can buy your domain names there. And they have a, a bit where you can type in your preferred uh, domain name and they will tell you then if that's available or what else similar or close to it is available. Once you've got your domain names, you've got your business name, you've got your brand foundations, that's when you can start to think about how should this how should this be looking, this business? Okay, we've got some understanding of how it should feel, how it should feel to do business with you, how it should feel to come across your brand. We now want to understand how that should look. And that's where you might want to pull in some help. So working with a brand designer, graphic designer who does brand work, um, you if you're if you're able to outsource this, this is a great spot to start spending a bit of money on outsourcing. Um, you can have a branding suite produced, which will be your colors, your logos, your fonts, um, some mood boards. It's basically the direction, the visual direction that your business is going in. Often it starts with a Pinterest board and you can start putting that together yourself. And you can start now. That's going to help you to sort of solidify in your mind how you want your business to look and feel. If you can't afford to work with a brand designer, um, then no worries. We can start to look elsewhere. So once you've got an idea of how it needs to look and feel, you've pulled together a Pinterest board, then you can start to have a look at places like Etsy or Creative Market. Um, there are lots of different places out there that you can buy pretty good pre-made logos and then you just um, sort of customise them for your business. So if if money is really, really tight and you're on a bootstrap, a bootstrap budget, that's what you want to do there. After that comes your website and the choice of website I will do a different podcast on. Um, essentially, you've got three different options here. 
If you're selling products of some sort, you're going to need a website that has an e-commerce function. If you're selling services of some sort, you need to consider whether you're going to need um, a kind of calendar function, whether you need people to be able to book online. Um, if you're selling products or services, um, you need to really think about how easy you want the website to be to update, how often you're going to be updating it. You want to keep things fresh and perhaps you're going to be blogging or vlogging. Um, you know, perhaps you're going to link up your social media handles and your Instagram and that kind of stuff. So it feel, feeds through onto your website. So the three different options that I would put forwards would be if you're product based and you're selling lots of different products, you might want to go for a, for a, um, a Shopify, I was going to say Spotify, but that's <laughs> that's the music, a Shopify account and a Shopify website. If you're going for, if you're, a, or if you're a business that you've got less products to sell um, and perhaps, or perhaps you're service based, then you might want to look at a sort of done for you templated um, website provider. And the two ones to look at there are Wix and Squarespace. My main website is on Squarespace and my brand photography one is on Wix and I have designed websites on both. I understand them both really well. Um, there are pros and cons, so it's worth looking into. Um, but for the most part, I would say that Squarespace is, is very easy. Once you know how, it's a kind of a very, very easy system to use. Um, Wix is as well, but at the moment, my preference is Squarespace. The third option is to go for a WordPress website. The disadvantage of WordPress, in my opinion, is that it's actually quite complex. The back end of it, when you're trying to update stuff, is quite complicated. And it's not in the same sort of drag and drop templated setup that you have with Wix and Squarespace. So the learning curve for WordPress, I feel, is much steeper. And you can end up spending a lot of time basically trying to learn how to use it. So things that you can do on Squarespace and Wix quite easily because the functionality is built into the website design option. Um, you have to have an add-on um, for for WordPress. So they're kind of plugins uh, and anybody can really produce them. So there's no there's no way of knowing how well they're going to work. So it's a more complicated route. I would suggest that you speak to some website designers and you get some sense of the cost involved here because it might be that actually you're much better off outsourcing this and for the sake of maybe a thousand pounds, you will save hours and hours and hours of your life. And that's hours of your life that you could be doing something else or that you could be earning money. So it could be a much better investment to earn the money doing what you're good at and outsource this to somebody else. On the back of your website um, and your logos and your fonts and your colours and all of that stuff, they all obviously will work together and your website designer will need to know what those things are. They'll need that branding document. Um, you're going to want to have some photography done. So you're going to have some beautiful imagery on your website. It's going to be what sells it to everybody. You may not be able to afford, because you're bootstrapping perhaps, <laughs> you may not be able to afford to get a lovely image bank created at this stage. 
hopefully you can hopefully there's a bit of money in the in the kitty that you can have some bespoke imagery created and hopefully some photos of you some behind the scenes some hero shots perhaps product shots some at work shots there's a there's a whole plethora of different types of photography that you might want to look at here um but if you can't afford that then you can either try and you know really bootstrap it and get somebody you know to take some pictures or maybe a local student or something um, or you can have a look at a, an image bank and there are loads of free image banks out there at the moment um, that are really really excellent so Unsplash is one I recommend um, take a look at them and you could pull together some some imagery that works really well for your business for now until you're making enough money where later down the road you can then replace that imagery after this, so now you've got your brand foundations, you've got your name, your domain names, you've got your brand design, you've got your website, then you're going to start thinking about your social media. So where are you going to be and which platforms do you like the best? So for me, I like Instagram. I'm not using Facebook very much at all these days, but it might be that your audience is very much on Facebook. Um, perhaps you're appealing to a much younger audience and you want to look at some of the newer social media um, sites like TikTok, for instance. Once you've decided, or maybe it's Twitter, maybe it's LinkedIn, you know, there's lots. But once you've decided where you're going to be, I would suggest that you go all in on that platform. Give yourself the best chance of being successful on one, possibly two platforms. Don't try and do it all, especially if you're doing it by yourself because you'll end up with accounts that aren't being used, um, that are sort of sitting there looking a bit sad for themselves, a bit redundant, and you'll feel hugely overwhelmed by all the work that you'll have to do to keep up with those accounts, which is actually pretty much a full-time job and doesn't leave much time for actually running the business. So pick your poison and go with that. The next thing that you might think about after this, if I haven't already overwhelmed you, is things like lead magnets, downloads, email marketing, um, all of that sort of side of things. So it's basically how you're going to get your business out there and how you're going to be talking to the people um, that you're wanting to work with, how you're going to reach them. All of that is another podcast. But I hope that this has given you a bit of an overview really of what to do in which order to ensure that your business starts off on the right foot and is successful. There's loads of loads of resources out there for all this stuff. Um, and if you want to have a chat with me about your brand foundations, um, I'm always I'm always available, always happy to have a chat. But if you're doing this by yourself, try and break this down into different stages and, and sort of give yourself a bit of a timeline. Set yourself a goal for when you want to have everything launched and then work back from that. And don't be too ambitious would be my advice because there's nothing worse than feeling like you're just constantly, constantly missing deadlines. It's not to say that you can't be earning money while you're doing all this. Of course you can. You probably need to. Um, you know, we've got mortgages to pay, haven't we? But it just means that this is the sort of work that you need to do to ensure that your brand has longevity and is, is successful um, in the years to come as opposed to a sort of a, you know, flash in the pan, a great start, but then everything sort of dies down really quickly. So start earning some money and that will make you feel better. And then in the time around that, so this is going to be early mornings, late nights, 
you know, you're going to have to find the time somehow. Netflix has got to go off <laughs> and uh, you're not going to be able to read too many books during this time, I would say. Get this work done. Feel really, really, really good about it uh, and go out there and hit the world with your brilliant, brilliant idea. Um, best of luck. <laughs>